0: Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm glad that you could join us today. You've had a terrific weekend with the sun out. Hopefully, you'll be able to get outside and enjoy that this afternoon. Uh, it's kind of been a little bit miserable type of week with some snow and a lot of wind and everything else, but enjoy the moment while we have it. Uh, this morning, we're going to take a short break from our sermon series with the Spiritual Gifts to focus on Palm Sunday. And next week we'll do the same and focus on Resurrection Sunday. Um, so it's, it's always the best time of the year for a Christian when we enter Holy Week in terms of understanding what our faith is about, understanding what Christ went to the cross for, understanding everything that happened to him in such a short amount of time. Uh, there, there's so many things that are packed around this week. It's a wonderful time to reflect on who Jesus is as our savior, what he did for us. You know, we look at the fulfilled promises throughout scripture. We look to the future hope that we have in him as the coming conquering king. But you know, on Palm Sunday, we admire how he triumphantly, how he victoriously enters into Jerusalem. And you might think, well, he's not victorious yet. But you look at how he enters, you look at the fanfare around him, and you think about how he comes in on a donkey, humbly as the Messiah. You think about how some in the faith are, are currently cel- celebrating Lent, a period of, of 40 days where they're focusing on the wilderness, they're focusing on times of, of preparation, of times of patience, of giving things up in their life. You know, with Holy Week, we want to be mindful of that preparation, of that time, how the Bible calls for us to be prepared for the coming of our Lord, for the coming of our Savior as we celebrate this wonderful season. So this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 21, if you have your Bibles. If not, most of my scripture today will be up on the screen. We'll read the first 11 verses in Matthew 21. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them And others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds said, This is the prophet, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, as we Go to your word today as we continue worshiping you today. What a joy it is to be able to come together. To open your word, to see your grace. I just pray that your spirit would come down upon us today. Give us eyes to see your truths. Give us ears to hear what it is you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this morning... I want to focus on three points today. I know I'm not normally a three-point kind of guy. I'm more of a fire hose preacher and just douse you all. We'll see how it works, if I can just focus on three points. But for Palm Sunday, you know, and for Easter Sunday, many times the passages that we go over are a good reminder to us. We've read over them many times in our lives. We've heard the stories. We know what's going on. And this morning is no different. And we should have an understanding of what happens during this season. We celebrate it each year. It's a crucial part to our faith. But as we get older, as we get wiser, different life experiences happen. You're, you hear different sermons. You're in a different place in your faith. And sometimes as you apply what you've been learning and how the Lord has been growing you, sometimes the passages hit a little bit differently based on those types of experiences, based on what you're reading. And today, I want to try to tie in a little bit of what we've been going over this last half year in terms of being in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, understanding the spiritual gifts, and see how the Father draws us closer to Him. Palm Sunday is an important day in the church calendar, because it is where Jesus is publicly declaring that he is the Messiah. And you might look over this passage and you might think, well, where does he say that? Where is he publicly declaring that he is the Messiah? Well, see, he doesn't have to say it. Matthew kind of says it for him as he says that he is fulfilling a prophecy. That's found in Zechariah 9.9. It's a prophecy that the people would be looking for. It's a prophecy the disciples are pushing the people towards because of how they are welcoming him. It would be similar for us if we saw Jesus appear in the clouds. Jesus wouldn't have to announce anything. We would know what's going on because we know the prophecy. The people of Jesus' time would know what it says in Zechariah 9.9. They would be looking for it. I don't have that one, but I was going to go back to this one. In Zechariah 9 9, compare it to what it says in Matthew. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the first point for us today, as believers, is to be accessible. This is similar to the donkey. And that when you look at our passage, you see how Jesus tells the the disciples to go get this donkey. And there are a lot of similarities between us and donkeys. Now, before you get offended, before you start making jokes, think about how donkeys are stubborn. Think about your own stubbornness in various forms of life. Now, let's look a little bit closer at this comparison. Look at the description of this donkey. Before Christ comes, this donkey is tied up. Before Christ, are we too not tied up in our sins, our selfishness, pride, lies, and lusts, where we are bound by the enemy, set unto destruction. But Christ calls for this beast to be untied, to be brought before him. In a similar way, He unbinds us from the sin of our life to set us free and to be used by Him. Now, follow along with the description of the donkey here. We should be thankful that Christ has called us in this way. We're brought before Him. A robe is put on the donkey. A robe is put over us. We are used by Christ to carry him forward. When we think about all that Christ has done for us, and it might seem so simple, should it not move our hearts to be willing to want to work with him, to obey his commands, to understand his goals and the destinations that he is leading us to? You know, when we think about this accessibility, we also see an enormous amount of humility within this section looking at this scene obviously Jesus is entering in on a donkey rather than a horse you know if somebody is coming in triumphantly, victoriously you would think it would be on a horse something that you have conquered why would Jesus enter in this way well first and foremost it is to fulfill the prophecy in scripture secondly it shows the nature of his mission Humility was a trait that Jesus taught to his disciples. It was something throughout all of his ministry. He expressed this in many of his actions. To be accessible as believers, we need to show this same type of humility, not thinking too highly of ourselves, but recognizing our position in Christ. It is through this accessibility that it can go well with the sermon series that we've been going over in terms of being in the Spirit and having spiritual gifts. How can we be used by God to advance his kingdom forward? We need to have a humble heart and attitude as we're listening to God, understanding that we have been untied, unbound from sin for a specific purpose. We've been brought to the Lord before the Lord for service. It's truly humbling when you recognize that, when you can reconcile that in your hearts and minds of what Christ has done for us. The second point in our passage I want to point out is to be careful of people. It's kind of a hard dichotomy in our world to where we need to love one another as Christ has loved us, but at the same time, be careful of people. The concept of to, to live in the world but not be of the world. It's a tough balance. These, the people that are in this passage... Are welcoming the messiah coming into jerusalem they're excited they're praising him hosanna in the highest it's a cry out to god for salvation for help again these jews would understand where does my help come from it comes from the lord they would understand the psalms you know this term hosanna it is a transliterated word from the hebrew meaning the Hebrew is just spelled out in English letters. And there's two words, a combination of save us now and we pray. This is from Psalm 118. I did have that, sorry. Psalm 118, verse 25 through 26. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. So it's a cry of worship. It's a cry of adoration for God to save them now. And with Jesus declaring in his subtle way that he is the Messiah, we can understand how they are believing in him for this, why they are making this statement, why they are crying out for this salvation. They're putting their hope in Jesus, right? They're taking off their cloaks. They're waving palm branches. They're victoriously accepting that Jesus has come to be their Messiah. But we've talked about this over this past year. What were they looking for in terms of a Messiah? How did they understand the Messiah to come? Even among his disciples, they wanted someone to come and save them from the Roman oppression, from the temporal issues, from the things that were going on right in front of them. Many of the Jews of this time miss the humble, suffering servant of Isaiah 53, and they have this desire in their hearts for freedom, autonomy, to where they can be the ruling class, to where they can have the government and the king that rules over the world where they are now. Their Messiah was supposed to lead them as their earthly king. This is the expectations that they had of the Messiah. And when those expectations are not met, they turn and yell, crucify him. With the same amount of passion and fervency that they're yelling, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Be careful of people. So what should this teach us about our own walks? First, I think that we need to look inward. To recognize those times in our lives where we're switching from shouts of praise, praising God, to cries of crucify Him because we're not getting our own way. Because our hopes, our expectations, our dreams are not being lived out the way that we want them to be. And instead, we take it out on God rather than searching for Him, understanding His will, and instead crying out, It's not fair. Secondly, we can notice as we understand the story of the Passion Week and how everything unfolds, the turn of the people. But we see how Jesus is not fazed by the people's praise here. He is focused on the Father's mission. He's not deterred by their shouts of crucify him. He is lasered in on doing what the Father has set before him. And that's an important thing for us as believers too, understanding the mission that God gives all of us, individualizing that based on our gifts, based on the individual specific callings in our lives and the people that are around us, understanding that Jesus is not phased or yearning the praise of men. Pastors often say when we're preaching, we have an audience of one so that you understand we're we're crying out to God as we give a message rather than trying to be people pleasing. So, like Jesus, we should not be carried away by the praises of people, but remain steadfast in the mission that he has set before us. Because people are fickle, they will like you one moment and hate you the next. You can really see that in our political culture, in our social media environments where we see corporations taking stances on different issues. And boy, do people have opinions about that. Their love can change to hatred in the snap of a finger or a single tweet. Now, for the most part, those types of conversations can happen over the Internet, over the blogosphere. But, you know, when we take that to a practical level, to our own families, to our coworkers. The types of conversations that we have can bring up different points of contention. You know, because maybe of our Christianity, maybe because of our Christian values, people might not like who we are, what we're saying. But Jesus says in John 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it has hated you. Pay attention to verse 19. If you are of the world... The world would love you as its own, but because you're because you not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you: a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You know, so the world, the culture, will love you when you're saying what they want you to, what they want to hear. This would reflect you being of the world, but they would hate you because of their hatred of Jesus when you're speaking about things of faith. Question that I may have asked before in this group, but I think that we need to revisit it frequently. What's the type of hatred that you experience? Do you experience hatred in your life? It's something to reflect on. You know, not seeking out hatred for hatred's sake or just saying things, being a jerk or something like that. But genuinely, the type of hatred that you face because of your faith in Christ. It's not something that we reflect on often. Let me give you an example of maybe American Christianity a little bit. If you're counting hatred... In the form of something like i have to cancel my disney subscription now because they've gone off their rocker so that means the world's hating me isn't that just you wanting the world to love you in the way that you want it to be aren't you just more upset because you won't have the pleasures of screen time or entertainment You know, if this is the type of form of hatred that we're experiencing, may I suggest that we're not really engaged in the world to truly see the type of hatred that Scripture talks about in this passage where we are standing for the Christ and the world is pushing back against Him. Now perhaps you're like me and you dislike conflict and you avoid those types of conversations and people. Again, it's a tough balance to be in the world but not of the world. To love others as Christ has loved us and at the same time be careful of people and the praises of men. Knowing that we should not be loved by the world but rather desperately seeking to rescue those who are perishing. The third point is to be ready. Looking at verses 10 and 11, for the good or the bad, Jesus, no matter where he went, stirred people up, whether that was his disciples or the Pharisees. He's done this his entire ministry wherever he goes. He creates a stir. And for some, they will ask, who is this? It is at that point that there is interest in people's lives to know who Jesus is. What a wonderful opportunity it then is for us to share exactly who Jesus is. In our passage, the crowd responds, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, again, putting yourself in the actual passage, we have to remember at this time Jerusalem is tripling in size due to the Passover feast. You have people coming in from all over the region. And Jesus has been around Israel, quite a bit. People would have heard the name of Jesus, but maybe they didn't, they've never seen him. Maybe they don't know everything about him. You'll have a mixture of, of Jews, of Roman officials, of disciples, of non-believers, all within this segment. And with this stir going on, it causes the question of who is this? And the Jesus' followers are right there to tell them, ready to be witnesses for who he is. You know, when we're walking through our days, we might have the opportunity to have some religious conversations, some spiritual conversations with people where you have to have an answer ready about who this is. You will also have people that are observing you, that will never talk to you, but know that you're a Christian and watch every step you take how you're acting, the words that you use. And that becomes a testimony to that person for Christ. Hopefully to the point where they will see how Jesus is always on your lips. And they get an impression of Christ based off of what they see and hear from you. And that they can ask, who is this person that you say saved you from sin? What, why do I need forgiveness? What does all of this mean? Why do you have hope that he is going to come back? Be ready. Be ready to have an answer for them. Be ready for those moments. Pray for those moments and those opportunities. Because we have the light of life within us and the opportunities to share. What an amazing Time that would be. It's similar to the old song, Put me in, coach, I'm ready to play. Or as Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. To where we're always ready for what the Lord would have for us to do. Within this passage, we can see how Jesus fulfills Scripture. The promises, the prophecies that are made about Him. The Bible gives more prophecies about he, how He will return as a conquering king not riding on a donkey, but on a white horse. How he will call his own to himself and he will judge the living and the dead. It's a prophecy that we take very seriously and understand the coming judgment upon this world. We know that there's lost souls all around us. And this coming prophecy is the one that spurs us on to evangelism, to share about our hope that we have in him. We need to be careful in how we're dealing with people. But we need to be accessible to how Jesus would use us in his ministry to carry his name forward. And we need to be ready to go when he calls us to go. Palm Sunday is a Sunday that's about the arrival of our Savior Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, who is coming to save us from sin and death. And he is giving us the promise of eternal life for those who place their faith in him. It's about grace, it's about love, it's about mercy, it's about peace with God. It's a Sunday of fulfilled prophecy and promises where we can reaffirm our hopes and faith in the promises of God and that we can cry out in one voice, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we begin Holy Week, Lord, it's Always on such a high note as Jesus enters in with praise, with fanfare. And Lord, as believers, we look forward to the cross. We know what's coming. Jesus knows what's coming as he enters Jerusalem this time. As he does his final teaching, as he prepares his disciples as best he can. Lord, help us to learn the lessons that are in your word, to be humble, to be accessible, to be careful of the things of men and the praises of people, and to be ready. Lord, we look expectantly for your return. Lord, we pray for it every Sunday. knowing that we are ready while at the same time knowing that there are people around us that are not. People that we lift up all the time. Family members, neighbors, friends, coworkers. Father, this holy week I pray that you may use us in strong ways to share your gospel message, to advance your kingdom forward. Give us the eyes to see to be ready to proclaim your name. Lord, even in a secular culture that's celebrating Easter, Lord, there's opportunities, free opportunities, to speak about your goodness to speak the truth about this season. Lord, I I lift up Steve as he prepares for Good Friday. I just pray, Lord, through this week, that we can all reflect on who you are and what you have done for us. You're an amazing, sovereign God. And we praise you.